Sandy's Ghost by W. Bob Holland. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by I.C. Gaw, South Carolina, 2020. Sandy's Ghost by W. Bob Holland. Commendations for the night, stranger? Well, yes, I reckon we can fix a place for you. Have a cheer and set you down. Thank you. Don't you find this rather a lonely place? No neighbors, no nothing that I can see? How came you to settle here, so far removed from other habitations? Well, perhaps it's best not to ask too many questions for once. Beg your pardon. No offense was intended, I assure you. Simply idle curiosity. Don't say another word, stranger, but come in and we'll have a snack for supper. Polly, bring on the victuals. You're just in time. Polly at once obeyed. She was a typical western girl, tall, lithe, graceful, and limpid-eyed. She was clear-skinned and high-spirited, too, and in this case ignorant through no fault of her own. John Barr's eyes scanned her intently, and a flush came to her cheeks. For the first time in her life she was unpleasantly conscious of her bare feet. It may have been this that made her stumble and spill some of the contents of an earthen bowl over the guest's knees as she placed it on the table. Her eyes flashed, and a tear of anger twinkled on the lashes. She stopped, half-meaning to apologize, but an oath from her father caused her to set the bowl down heavily and to hurry from the cabin. A moment later, Barr saw a flutter of pink calico from behind a pile of rocks. Old Kit Robinson saw it, too. Don't wonder at your saying taint right. She's a smart gal and a good looker, too, as should have been sent away from here to her school to be educated. But she won't leave her no count, Dad. I ought to be shot for cussing her, but I ain't what I used to be. Setting here and keeping guard makes me nervous. Barr's eyes asked a question his lips refused to speak. Supper eaten, the men went outside and sat with their chairs tilted back against the cabin. Something in the younger man's frank face had softened old Kit into a reminiscent mood and made him strangely inclined to gratify an idle curiosity. The soft evening winds sighed through the branches of the tall spruce pines, and the declining rays of the setting sun caused the shadow of the rude home to stretch out longer across the greensward. From its shelter where he sat, John Barr looked out on the grand ranges of the Rockies and wondered where in their vastness he would find the man he sought, the finding of whom had brought him out into this wild and almost forsaken mining camp. Stranger, I've took a liking to you. You've a something about you that reminds me of someone I know, and you look like an honest chap. Say, do you believe in ghosts? He put the question very suddenly, and a look of disappointment crossed his face when Barr told him that he did not believe in spooks. Well, I've seen em. A thought connecting the pink calico with something in the past came to Barr's mind. Can't you tell me about it, he asked. I'd like her if you'll swear on your derringer never to blab. Will you swear? The solitary guest started to smile but the smile faded at the thought of unshed tears in Polly's eyes. It might make it easier for her if he humored the old man. 
I'll swear, he said, and he did. You see, an old spruce at the turn of the trail and the cliff just above? Well, that's the spot I'm watching and guarding till the owner comes to claim it. I'm quick to burn powder and a pretty sure shot. I know a man when I sees him, and I ain't easy fooled. Well, to begin with, I had a partner once, and he was a man. Sure enough, he was from the state of New York. I never asked him as to how so fine a gent come to be digging and shoveling in the Rockies. Though to myself, I said, there was some good reason. He had light hair, and we called him Sandy for short. And he was just about as gritty as sand. We was as unlike as any two fellers you ever saw. He was quiet like an steady and I was sorter wild and reckless and liked mounting dew most too well. Well, when we had a little dust scraped together, we would divvy and I took my share down to the station on the other side of the cliffs and sent it off to the bank in Helena. But I allers left some hid where the gal would find it. Old Sandy had a bank of his own that no one knew her about, excepting himself, and every time we divided, he'd carry part of it to his hiding place, and then give the rest to me to send to his boy, that he said was being educated in some college way up in Boston. He seemed to think a heap of that boy. After a while, my old woman give out, and soon we laid her away on the hillside. It was hard, stranger. Old Kit's voice failed him for a moment, but he quickly regained his composure and continued. But when old Sandy, my good old pard, give up, I didn't cure for nothing. We buried him in style. All the boys from round the diggings was there, and many an eye was wet. We didn't have nary a preacher, but the gal she prayed at the grave. For the life of me, I don't know where she learnt it. Reckon the old woman must have told her. Next morning, the gal showed me a letter that Sandy give her just afore he died. It was ter his boy, and she was ter give it ter him if he ever come out this way, and she's got it yet. That same evening after supper, feeling kind of glummish, and like there was something in my throat I couldn't swallow, I took a stroll up the gulch. I went on out there the top of the edge of the big rock and got ter studying where I'd find another pard like Sandy. All ter once I felt a hand touch my shoulder, kinder light once or twice. I jumped up half expecting it was Sandy, but it was only the gal. Well, I was all tucked back at first, and then I got mad. What are you doing up here? I asked kinder rough. She had tears in her eyes as she looked at me and said, Pap, don't get mad. I was lonesome. I seed you coming up this way, and I followed you, cause I wanted to tell you that Sandy said to give his boy his pile when he comes. Well, says I, you might have waited till I come back to the house, and then I sent her back. After she was gone, I sought her studying where in the world Sandy's pile was. I tried to think where could he have hid it, but it weren't no use. Alter once I noticed it was plumb dark, and as these mountains ain't a healthy place for a man to roam in after nightfall, especially if he ain't got his shooting irons on, 
I cut a pretty swift gait for the shack. Just as I come round the bend there at the pine, I happened to look up toward the cliff, and there sought Sandy. Yes, sir. It was him sure as you're born. My feet felt heavy as lead, and I couldn't move from the spot. I tried to holler, but it warn't no go. Finally, I gave a sudden jerk and made a step toward him, and as I did so, he disappeared. Then I made tracks for home, but I kept mum, cause I knowed the boys would say that Mounting Dew was licking up my brains and I would be seeing snakes and such things afore long. The next night, somehow or another, I thought to go and see if he was there again, and sure enough, there he sought, looking kind or sad and making marks on the rocks with his fingers. I had my hand on my gun this time, so I got a little closer than them four. But by hooky, he got away from me again, nor did he come back. I could hardly wait for the next night to come round. At the same time, I was on hand good and early, just as it begun to get dark, and the trees looked like long spooks of stretching out their arms. I looked toward the cliff, and there he sought a marking and a scratching on the rock with his fingers, and still looking sad. Now, this being the third time, I kinder got bold, and I went a little closer and says, Sandy, well, what's the m mat matter with you? Didn't the boys do the planting right for you? Then, as luck would have it, I thought of something else right quick, and I said, or is it the dust you have hid where you're sitting? Well, he looked up then, and the happiest smile come to his face, and all to once he disappeared again, and since then I have sought here and guarded the place till the right one comes along to claim it. Let's see, what did you say your name was? Pardon me, I thought I had told you. My name is John Willett Barr. Polly, oh Polly! Come here, gal. What was Sandy's full name? I plumb forgot. What you want ter know fur? she asked. I ain't the goin' ter tell you now. That's my own secret. Come, come, gal. Tell me ter once, or it won't be healthy for you. Well then, she answered stubbornly, it's John Willett Barr. At her reply, the younger man's face grew deathly pale, and he started up from his chair. But Kit thrust him back into his seat, saying, Bring me the letter, Polly. What are you going ter do with it, Pa? She inquired cautiously. I promised old Sandy on my oath ter keep it till the right one comes there long ter claim it, and I mean ter keep my word. The right one is here, gal. There he sits. So trot that letter out, and don't parley long with me, if you knows when you're well off. Polly stared at the younger man in utter bewilderment for a moment. Then, turning slowly, she stepped quietly into the cabin after the precious document. An unusual gleam of joy lighted up her face, and a suppressed excitement shone in her eyes. Under her breath, she said, Somehow or other, I felt he was the right one. Too truly, John Barr realized in that painful moment that he whom he sought was now dead to him that the father from whom he had been parted so many years was sleeping that long, dreamless sleep in the clay mound on the hillside. 
which marked his last resting place. As he turned to look at the face of old honest Kit, who had been his father's friend during those long years of forced exile, a happy smile lit up the old miner's rugged features as he pointed with his finger to the rock cliff near the old spruce vine and said, in an exultant, trembling voice, "'There he be, stranger, just as I have seen him many a night, your dad, my pard, poor old Sandy.' With an eager voice, John Barr sprang forward, and the mountains echoed and re-echoed the plaintive cry of, "'Father! Father!' but his outstretched arms clasped only emptiness and the darkening shadows of the rapidly approaching night. End of Sandy's Ghost